God is good. Amen. Go to Matthew, go to Hebrews chapter 4, and let's get in the Word of God. Are you all ready? Well, we're going to have one good year. I'm going to start a sermon today called 21 Day Challenge. I was talking to you about it during the offering. But I'm going to talk to you about what, if we're going to make, if something's going to change, it's going to be us. Now, I had breakfast with um, um, Mark Bird, one of the gentlemen that's running for uh, county commissioner. Uh, for Orange County. He's a born-again Christian, good Baptist boy, loves Jesus, and we were sitting talking. But you know, as he began to pray, you know, he's been praying about becoming commissioner, and I sat down with a napkin, and I started talking to him about prayer. And I said, let's get away from your Baptist roots and get you a little bit more Baptocostal right here. (laughs) And I talked to him for a few minutes about this, this mindset that the church has that we're just sitting around waiting on God. If you are, nothing's going to change. Nothing. God needs you to pray. He needs your prayers. And so when anytime we want something to change, there's, there's like an attitude, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, he didn't do it last year. And if you don't make some changes, he's not going to do it this year. But if you make the changes, then he will help you. And if you want something different, you're going to have to go after it. Like I said a while ago, it's very difficult to say, I'm going to make a change for 365 days. But I think anybody can do it for 21. So the first thing we're going to talk about is getting in to the word of God this year like we've never gotten into the word of God before. Now, as a pastor, I run into people from every gambit. The worst case is people who all the sermon, all the Bible they know is what a preacher preaches and they hear it. That's all they know. They've been going to church all their life. And if it isn't something the preacher preached, they've never heard it and they don't know it. That's the worst case scenario. Then you've got other people who study the word. They read their Bible. They read books. They, they watch, you know, Christian television. And they're basically growing in God. And that's the far extreme. And that's where we want everybody to be. But if there's going to be a change, there needs to be a change in the way we treat the word of God. So we're going to talk about the word right now and why we really do need to read our Bibles. All right. I want you to look at this in Hebrews um, four, 14, no, four, 12, the word of God is living. It's powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow a discern the thoughts and intents of your heart. Now that is a powerful statement. I want you to look at me right now and listen to me very carefully. This is the only book on the planet that's alive. Now, I'm not against books. I'm not against going to movies. As a matter of fact, I want to go see the new one, um, um, Churchill. Uh, that just history interests me. I've been watching some of it on YouTube lately because I'm, I'm interested in great leaders and what they did to overcome. So, but you know what? That's, that's entertainment. There's nothing wrong with entertainment, but you cannot live off of entertainment. Jesus said, um, his words are spirit and his words are life. Now God is alive. God does not need to be renewed. He's not, he doesn't need to plug in to anything. If he has a bad day, he is life. And without him, there isn't any life. And the more of God you have, the more life you have in you, in your spirit and in your body. So the word of God is God. The word is God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So the word, you say, well, I wish Jesus would come to my house. He can come right now if you'd like him to because he is the word. You have the word in your mouth. You've got God in your mouth and you've got God in your house. 
All right, now Jesus made a statement when he was being tempted by the devil. And he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then it also says in another place, give us this day our daily bread. Now, the reason that he used the word of God as though it was literal bread is because there is food that you need to eat if you want to stay alive. Now, sorry to say that the food we're eating in America today is dead. I brought a hot dog bun because I didn't want to go to the store. But I'm going to tell you a little secret about this. This is worthless food. This is, you might as well take the hot dog out. Well, that's not much better. But... (laughs) Literally, literally, and I think the ones of you that are health food nuts, you, you kind of, well, you're not a nut, but you, you understand that the, the, the uh, wheat that they made this out of was dead when they made it. And it, so they have this little sign that says fortified. That means after they killed it, they put a little bit back. Well, it ain't really all that. Now, eating right is about a third of your health. Now, for the ones of you that are trying to get healed by eating right, it's only a third. You're not going to get the other two-third out of food. You're going to get it out of the Word of God. Oh, you're not going to get it. Okay. Jesus did not change anybody's diet. Now, they had a good diet and they were still sick. Now, I'm not anti-eating right. I eat right. I eat fish oil and magnesium and I, and, I, and, I, and I watch very carefully what I eat and how I eat and my protein and organic eggs. We have this lady that has eggs with the chickens that run around the yard and eat out of the yard. And we, we, we really watch those things. So I'm about 98.2% good eating. Don't ask me about the other. So last night I did something because I have a lady that I order wheat from. I don't eat a lot of bread. I don't eat a lot of bread. But I understand it's fiber. So I have a lady that I order this from. We get it in five-gallon pails. And um, I, when I want to make bread, I grind my own. Now, this is wheat. And th- actually, this is good wheat. Um, expensive, too. <laughs> in a thousand years from today, you could grind this and make bread. Because it never goes bad. Now, what I'm going to show you right now is that this wheat is very similar to this book. Until you grind it, it isn't doing you any good. You can leave this on the table and say, I believe it all you want to. And all you have is wheat. And you can sit back and say, man, I, got the, I believe the word from the black to the black, from the cover to the back. I, listen, that's fine. But until you get it in your mouth and you start applying it to your life, it isn't doing you any good. All right. Now, I'm going to show you something else, and I'm going to make a statement to you. I want you to listen. The reason the Bible says, give us today our daily bread, is because I ground this last night. This is wheat. This is wheat ground. This is flour. This is good flour. How long do you think this is good? Rosa, how long? Day or two? 48 to 72 hours, this is worthless. Did you know that? Yeah. Whenever you, whenever you grind the wheat, it starts losing all of its vitamins and minerals and everything that's in it. And after 72 hours, it's as dead as a rock. It's worthless. You might as well throw it away. And that wow. Now, most of y'all didn't know that, but that's why the Bible says, give us today our what? Because if you want to eat right, you're going to cook daily. This is bread. This is dead. Now, it was larger than this last night. Where's Josh Morgan? He, I saw him tripping, sticking. He was whacking on it this morning for breakfast and putting, we, we have some raw honey and he put it all over the top of it. But now every once in a while, I will, I will go in there in the kitchen and it, 
Take, it takes hours because I didn't buy the electric grinder. I wished I had bought the electric grinder. And that, there's two stones in this thing. And when you start grinding it, it makes, it turns it into powder literally, but, but it's so fine. And it's fun, it's fun cooking it up and then putting the, putting the honey in it and put the olive oil in it and, and, and all of the other stuff that you put in there. Then, then the eggs, we put organic eggs in it and then I make it, put it in the oven and we cook it. Man, when it comes out hot. Oh yeah, that's really good. And it's, and I know you may not agree with me, but it's actually good for you, but it isn't, it is not diet food unless you're going to take into account that it will thin you up because it's real good fiber. All right. Having said that, that is living bread. That bread's alive. When you eat an apple, it's alive. When you eat applesauce, it's not. And this is why we're having a problem. The life, you and I are eating things every day spiritually also. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're not eating this, you haven't eaten anything that's helped you at all. Because this is the only thing that's going to feed you and change your life. If you're not doing this, you're not doing anything but eating white fat bread. You're just getting fat. And there's too many people who have never set aside the time to go, I'm going to read my Bible. Now, when I was 22 years of age, it was when I got born again. And I I should have brought a picture and I may uh, soon. But when I got saved, I was dumb as a rock. That's the truth. Anytime you sit around, smoke, dope, drink beer, and raise hell and, and get into trouble with the law, you're just an ignorant person. You do not get, you, your brain is not going to change. God is smart. If you want to be smart like God is smart, you've got to download God's brain in your brain. You've got to put his life in you. The moment I got born again, my intellect changed. Think about that for a minute because I'm alive, and I'm alive now. But now I've got to eat. I can't just rely on I got saved November 16th. I've got to eat. So I got a hunger for knowledge beyond. Now, I'm not talking about natural knowledge. I became hungry for life. I wanted something to feed me. And I got my Bible out. I only knew one scripture, John 3, 16. And I started reading my Bible. Now, when I tell you this right now, I think I know the Bible pretty good. Compared to some people. I, com- I would say I know it better than most. I would say I know more than 50 people you know. And I still don't know much. But I did. I learned it because I got a hunger for something that would feed me and change my life. It wasn't just because I got saved, my life changed. It's because I got saved and I opened up my Bible and the more of the word of God I ate. When I say I ate it, I mean I meditated on it, like grind it into powder. And then the more I began to work it into my life, it was like eating living food. I was literally eating God. And I'm digesting God down inside of my spirit. And that God life in me took me from everything. My income changed. My health changed. Everything in my life took off like a rocket. It just went up, 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 up. And still doing so today based on my time in the word. The word will change you. Now, let me make a statement to you right now. And I don't want y'all throw anything at me. The only textbook they had in Jesus' day was a Bible. It's the only one they needed. The Bible is complete. you, You can literally use it. Smith Wigglesworth only read one book his whole life. Raised 38 people from the dead. How many have you raised? Our forefathers in early America wrote our constitution from the Bible. 
Our forefathers also wrote all of the books that we taught our children in school from the Bible. That is the reason that we raised up a generation and became the greatest nation on the earth. It is also the reason where we got people graduating from college that are stupid as a rock. Because they took the Bible out of the education part of it. Are y'all okay with this? Don't get mad at me. Don't throw anything at me. We as a Christian need to come back and make this year the word is primary. Everything you want to change is going to change as you get into the word of God. Matter of fact, you can't. You cannot change it without the word of God. Now, let me, let me read another scripture to you. 1 John, John chapter 1, verse 1. Turn over there. Let's read it, and then we'll look at another one real quick. Is this okay? Now, I'm trying to, I'm trying to motivate you to spend a lot more of your precious time, maybe not so much on Facebook, some of y'all know exactly. I heard you groaning. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word. Are you serious? There were not any Bibles. There was no Bibles around before the earth. It didn't say Bible. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You can't separate God from the word of God. The more word, the more God. The less word, the less God. The more word, the more life. The more word, the more light. The more word, the more joy. The more word, the more peace. The more word, the more health. The more word, the more you change. The less word, you're going the other direction, guys. And he said daily, the reason he said that, and I know you don't like that, but once you got up in the morning went through that whole process of grinding all that bread, them women got up and did it again. Yes. That's what we did in America before we learned how to kill it and preserve it. Well, y'all don't shout me down. You get me off on that and I'm on. You know, what, you know why people don't like doing what I did? Because they don't like to work. But if you want to live long, you might want to work a little bit harder. Amen. In the beginning was the word. Now, I'm going to quote a couple of scriptures to you. In, Mar in Matthew 8, 7, put that on the screen for me because I want everybody to read it. And then I'm going to quote another scripture. Jesus, someone came to Jesus and says, my, and I have a child homesick. He said, I will come and heal him. When Jesus walked the earth, the only way you could get to God was through Jesus. Right? But Psalm 107 says, he sent his word and healed them. What would you do today if you needed healing? Go you go to the word. Now I'm going to make a statement to you. If you'll take Isaiah 53 on the healing scripture and you'll start reading it to yourself, it'll make you healthy. Amen. Now, what would you do if you went to the doctor and the doctor looked at you and said, I have something I want you to do, a prescription. If you do it, 100% guarantee you'll get better. Would you do it? If you had sense, you'd do it. But you can't go to the doctor and him say that because they don't know that. There are some things they can do to help you, but there's some, they, they're, they're, they're practicing. Remember, they, on the sign outside, before you came in, it says we're only practicing. And you're our next rat to see if this works. Not always, but I'm picking on doctors. One for doctors and half the people in this room would be dead, including me. He sent his word and healed him. So how does he send his, how does he heal you now? He sends his word to you. The word of God. Now go to Proverbs chapter four. I'm going to show you something. How would y'all like to have a healthier year? What would you do if I looked at you and said, I will guarantee it. I can guarantee it. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? I can prove it with my own life. Now, I'm going to show you something in the Bible that we've been, we've never really talked about. Well, I've heard a couple of preachers talk about it. It says, my son and daughters, 
give attention to my words. That's not a casual glance. I didn't say that bread came from a casual pick up the wheat and chew on a couple of them. You're going to grind it, baby. You're going to make powder out of it. You've got to get it. You've got to get it to where it is flour. And you're going to, that's what meditating on the word. That's what picking up the Bible and starting to read it and meditate and mark it. And I'll show you some more about that in a minute. We'll talk a little bit more about how to do this. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. That's not just Sunday morning for 45 minutes while the pastor's preaching. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Everything's vying for attention, but not everything's living. Everything you're doing, you're looking at is not alive. You've got to focus on this. You've got to get up in the morning and go, no matter what I do today, everything doesn't matter until I get in the word of God. You've got to be, you've got to be that focused on everything else is not working. This is the only thing that's going to change your life. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life, that's the life of God. He is not an ever-ready battery. He doesn't go up and down. He doesn't need someone to pump him up. The life of God on the inside of you. Now, I didn't say this this morning, but let's talk for a minute here. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, God made two lights in the heaven. One for the day and one for the night. What is the one for the night called? The moon. Is it on fire like the sun? Where is it getting its light? From the sun. Without the sun, there is no moon. Without Jesus, you are dead. Without him, you have no life. The moon is not a light. It is only a reflection of it. And the reason it goes dark is because it can't see the sun. When you can't see the word of God, all there is in your life is darkness. But if you'll get out from behind the earth and look at the sun full, that's called a full moon and everything lights up. So the more of the word you have, the more light and life and joy and peace and health there is in your life because there's a greater light and a lesser light. One of them is Jesus and the The other one is the church. Without Jesus, the church has no light for the world. All right. That's good. I thought that was pretty good. Thank you, Jesus, for telling me that. They think I came up with that. But you and I both know. Proverbs 4. Let's go over. I'm just going to. I need to get my Bible out and read it. I want to make sure I read this myself. You know, you say, well, I read that last week. Let me tell you something. What you ate yesterday, it's gone. I know that upsets y'all. But yesterday's scripture, it is gone. It ain't no good no more. It's dead. It's just dead. I know y'all got excited about Jesus yesterday. Y'all just stuffy told me, oh, yesterday. They wrote a song, yesterday, yesterday. Everything is about yesterday. Let me tell you something. Today, have you, have you eaten today? Just because I read that scripture right there about a thousand times, I will read it about a hundred thousand times before Jesus comes back because that's food right there. See, I ate that yesterday. I'm going to eat that today. And when you leave here today, I want want you to eat it tomorrow. Mark it in your Bible and eat the word of God. Amen. Amen. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They are life to those that find them. And health, not healing, health. You know what health is? Never get sick. That's the reason why it's not a miracle. We're not talking about reading your Bible and getting a miracle where, the, where Monday you're sick and Tuesday you're not. We're talking about open up your Bible and everything in your body starts changing. 
It might appear to be slow to you, but if you'll stop eating junk food right now and Coke and candy and hot dogs and tacos at Taco Bell and Burger King and Whoppers, and you start eating right, well, you're not going to just look all perfect tomorrow. I got news for you. You'll go to the bathroom a little bit more than you are right now. Your body is going to start recognizing and going, Oh, that was some food that came down that chute. You start putting some broccoli and some green beans and some butter beans in there. And then don't go off on this meat mess with me. Listen, the only reason that meat is messed up is because they started feeding cows corn. Cows don't eat corn. It'll kill a cow. So they stuff him with steroids to keep him alive while they're killing him. And then you eat that trash and you get it in your body. Well, go deer hunting with me and shoot something that's not all steroided up. And you can come to my house and have lasagna with venison or you can have chili with venison and you can have some good meat but don't get off on this veggie mess in the bible they they killed the fatted calf that means it's okay to eat meat so don't ask me if i'm a vegan i ain't no vegan as a matter of fact i'm gonna tell you what the word vegetable is a cherokee indian word it means bad hunter <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but it it should be. It sounds good to me. You know, the funny thing about it is people come over our house and eat. I think it was Jeannie Bowser came over the other day and she says, man, I love venison. If you'll clean it right, if you clean it right, don't take it to the processor and let him do it. Clean it yourself. Get the blood out of the meat. It's sweet. So Jeannie Bowser the other day, she's over there going, man, I love venison. And she wanted me to bring her some. I said, hey, you know what I mean? I said, you asked your husband to get you a deer rifle. That's what my wife did. She wanted a deer rifle for Christmas one year. And when I bought her a deer rifle, all the women went, what? Well, that's what she wanted. Because she started noticing that I wasn't doing too good. And she says, if you ain't going to get one, I'm going. (laughs) Now, see, the difference in Lisa and I, when it starts raining, I get out of the tree. She don't. She'll sit there. I'm I'm hunting. I'm on some venison. I'm shopping. I'm shopping. She's not hunting. She's shopping. You know, when we're in the woods, I get this text. Come now, dear dead. I come and I say, what is it? Get him out of here. I'm still hunting. I said, well, I was hunting too. He said, well, you ain't now. You cleaned my dear. I'm, I'm still hunting. Now, that's a good wife. All you men say, that's a good woman right there. But you know one thing I ain't never got her to do? I never got her to gut one. Why is it that I always have to be the one that guts the deer? Get, I mean, I come over here, the deer just laying there. She goes, there's, take it, take it. I'm the man? Do I get to do that in the kitchen next week when she comes in and says, I need you to do it? I say, I, you, you the woman? D- that'll get a frying pan upside your head. <laughs> you the woman? Well, hey, woman, sweep that floor. <laughs> that don't work. Why is it that it don't work the other way? I want to know why. Gut your own dear woman, that on. <laughs> I'm helping you. You're helping me? Yeah, you are. But I'm going to tell you something. Your, your life changes when you eat good. And I'm not here talking about good food, just good food. But I'm going to tell you something right now. You start eating right, you're, 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 you're going to change. If you'll do the same with the word of God, your life will change. You will take on what you're eating spiritually. If you're neglecting it, then nothing's going to change for you. Now, when it says this, look at this. That is a 100% guarantee. You can take your children that are sick and you can sit there and read the Bible to them. You're filling your house with the word of God. That's a powerful statement. You say, I wish Jesus would come to my house. We'll open up the book and invite him. It is so easy, guys, to fill your house with the glory of God. Just pray in the Holy Ghost and read the Bible out loud. And there ain't a devil in hell. I'll stay there. This is easy. This is easy. Now, he guaranteed you that it would make you healthy. 
Why in the world somebody wouldn't want to do this? Now, I didn't say it would happen in a week. That was the point I got off on when we started talking about Jesus, Lisa's deer hunt. But I'll tell you what, in six months, I'll guarantee you, you start eating right, you, you'll notice it in your body. You won't be tired anymore. You won't be taking naps for four hours in the afternoon. Get up in the morning and start planning your nap for the day. Amen. And your life will change. And spiritually, everything changes also. Your intellect will change. God is smart. Very smart. I, I wish we had a way of measuring intellect. But there are things that because I've spent time reading the Word, I look at it and I can tell you how it was made. I don't know how I do it. I know that you do it too. You've had times in your life, I know what to do about that. Joseph knew what to do about the problem. Daniel knew what to do. And I'm going to throw another one at you. You ready? Because I'm going to blow your mind. Solomon never went to school. Oh. Now that'll screw up a college education. I'm not down on it. I'm just saying, don't make it number one, whatever you do. If you're going to be a businessman, then go to Karis. When you graduate from Karis, go to business school. Don't neglect the Word of God. Don't you send your kid off to school without him knowing the Word of God. He'll come back a Democrat and a, and a, or a messed up Republican or a carrying a teeth of signs. You don't know what your kid's coming home. They're going to be screwed up. Because you didn't put anything in there before they left. And they did it. That's too strong for y'all. Now, they need to know the Word of God. And, they, and it's not, like I said, it's not Josh Brown's job to teach them. It's your job to get them in the Word of God. Lisa, when the boys were going up, she said, it's Bible time. That's part of their schooling. Justin, a while ago, was in my office talking about reading uh, Kenneth Hagin's book, The Triumphant Church. He still reads every day. He started doing it when he was a boy. Jordan still reads every day. Josh still reads a little tiny bit. <laughs> he's doing good, but he's doing good. You know what? You ask him Bible questions, he'll pop them off at you. He hears real good. But you know what? You just do your best. You teach him the Word of God and let the Word of God do the work. I, I remember when Che was growing up, it, we just taught him the Bible, just taught him the Bible, just taught him the Bible. Ashley just got through writing a book. And, and I'll tell you something, it, it's powerful to watch your family and see what the Word of God has done in their family. If it wasn't for the Word, the Morgan family would have all gone to hell. And I'm going to make a statement to you all right now for Che's sake. My family owes Daryl Morgan a debt. They'd have all gone to hell without me. They ought to remember that at Father's Day. <laughs> I'm being serious. The person in your family that got on fire for God saved your family. If it was you, you saved it. Now, it doesn't do any good if everybody goes to hell. But everybody in my family is going to heaven because of me. I didn't say because of Jesus. It was Jesus. You know that. But when I got it, I got it. I got my Bible out and I dug in it and I turned the Morgan family totally around. My sister's on fire for God, and my oldest sister leads prayer meeting in a church of, in a church of God in Athens, and Nancy is writing her book, and, and Brooke is alive today because of Nancy and her prayers, and Nancy's, I raised her from the dead. She was in hell. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It is the word. Now, it is. Now, I said it's because of Daryl, but stop for a minute. But it really was because of me and my Bible. I picked up the Bible and said, you know what? I'm going to get this book out. I'm, I'm tired of the way I was living. I'm tired of that life. I've had all of it I want, and I walked away from it, and I picked up a Baptist Bible and took off and became a Baptist 
And I'm not done yet. I'm not finished yet. I'm still learning and growing. Amen. I'm expecting this year to be the best year of my life. I don't look back and start whining about yesterday. Okay. Now, that's number one in the, in the seven things. Are y'all okay? You know I'm not bragging on myself, don't you? Bragging on God. But uh, I had to cooperate a little tiny bit, didn't I? Um, if you, um, I, I, in your little card, the second one is be thankful. But I've got down there 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which you can look. But in, but in Romans chapter 1, and I want to read this one to you. The second thing that I want you to do and start doing this 21 days is to start being thankful. Be, be uh, what is, there's another word, not generous. Um, grateful. Be grateful for what you have. Did y'all, did y'all have heat last night? Anybody, anybody sleep cold? There might've been somebody slept cold last night in here. But if, if you're not grateful, let me take you to Africa. I would love to take you on a missions trip. Let me just take you to Honduras. What about that, Rosa? What about the little lady that we saw in Honduras? Her kitchen's outside. Women, is your kitchen outside? You're cooking outdoors underneath a tin roof. When it rains, you're getting wet. Is that what y'all cooked in this morning? Because if you're, if you're, in, if you're on welfare in America, you're in the top 1% of the richest people on the earth. I mean, the poorest person in this room right now is rich by world standards. Now, the lady that we're talking about in Honduras, her house looks worse than the shed you have your lawnmower in. Wooden floor, a bed for her husband and the kids. And there is no heat. There is no air condition. And the flies are on the kids and their face and noses all the time. And they're happy. And have a car. They wouldn't know what to do with a car. They walk everywhere they go. Get up and go to school. Have one pair of shoes. Some, some of them. One little dress. And they wear it every day. I've been to Africa. Listen. Well, if you live in Africa, you don't, they don't take baths in Africa. What do you think you smell like after two months of wearing the same shirt and the same pants every day. And you live in a house without heat and air conditioning. What do you think you smell like? You stink. We picked up a preacher here in America that was in Africa, and the lady wanted to burn his clothes. She washed him three times and couldn't get the odor out of his clothing. Had to take him to the store because he would walk by people in America, and they'd fall out in the power. (laughs) And this lady says, she said, honey, I don't want to offend you, but you stink. And in in their culture... That's normal. They don't have a bat. They don't have a shower. They don't have all the stuff you got. I got in a car with them one day because one of them had a car. That's, that's rich. But the car, all the dirt on the road comes through the car. I had on a dark suit when I left. I was white when I got to the church. It was coated in dust. I looked like Pigpen and Charlie Penn. I'm Charlie Brown. I just banged myself and all the dust come out. And that, pre- that guy was happy. I mean, it was like a 30-year-old Toyota Corolla. Nothing on it worked. It barely ran. He was like rich. You know, I think we just need to get grateful. I think we just start needing to get a little bit happy. I mean, I, I got to tell you this. Americans are the most unhappy people I've ever. I've been all over the world. I've been everywhere. I've been to Siberia. I've been to the North Pole. I've been to India. I've been to Haiti where there's one soccer ball for the whole village and the kids are happy. We got kids today, they're mad because they, didn't, they got 10 presents under the tree and they're mad because they don't know which one to play with first. You know, I, I, I don't mean to be rude, but I like to slap some folk, just slap the fire out of some folk. Come in here whining. Listen, it was, it's very difficult to go overseas Walk into a church where people spent three hours to get there and preach in a church in America. It is hard to preach here. Because if it's cold, I mean, I'm talking 60 or below. I ain't going to turn it cold. And if you get here and you come naked and you sit here and go, we're cold. We got air conditioning. Quit griping about the air. Bring some clothing. <laughs> I'm too strong for y'all. 
What's wrong with stopping every once in a while and just say, thank you. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I ate this morning. Hallelujah. I got lunch coming this afternoon. I got an air conditioned in my truck. I'm driving home. I remembered carrying jumper cables because I never knew whether it was going to crank or not. Do y'all have, I used to carry a toolbox everywhere I went and gasoline. I didn't know whether I was even going to make, I'd leave home and go, I may see y'all, I may never see y'all again. I don't know. I mean, I remember being poor. I remember praying over food and asking God, multiply this stuff because it's all there is. If you didn't get it out of the garden, it didn't eat. And now I'm not, apparently I'm not having that problem. I've looked around the audience and some of y'all aren't having that problem either. <laughs> Seem to be quite blessed coming in, going out and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. You. you know, in the Old Testament, you know why all the kings were fat? Fat's a sign of pr- prosperity. Some of y'all are prosperous. <laughs> Maybe I should say some of y'all look kingly. I should say some of us look kingly. The second one is be grateful. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. The next one, are y'all ready for this? Because these are things we're going to do. Spend time every day praying the Holy Ghost. We've, al- we've already talked a lot about that, but folks, you don't know everything you, in your head. You're going to need to pray in the Spirit. Jude 1, beloved, you build yourself up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. There, I don't know why in the world people have decided they want God the Father, God the Son, but we don't want that third guy. We're not sure we like him very much. Hey, they're all God. Okay, uh, there's not a fight going on up there. Okay, there is down here. Number four, spend time every day listening to sermons on YouTube or your favorite preacher on the internet. When's the last time you went home instead of watching television, went in your room and turned on YouTube and downloaded Kenneth Hagin? Now, he might be gone physically, but he's still preaching. Or Lisa and I wake up every morning and go in there and turn on Andrew. And listen to him. He's been preaching on the book of Proverbs. Are you availing yourself to the word? It's free. There, there's stuff out there. You know, uh, was it Barry Bennett on healing? It's all on the Internet. It's all free. You can go on the Internet and learn anything about the word you want to learn. It is out there. Uh, you know, I, I have Mark Hankins on my phone. And I get in my truck and I go, preach it, Mark. Sometimes I go, stop preaching. I feel like anointing's coming on me right now. I don't want but to. The, but, the, but this one is just, are you spending the time you need to with your eyeballs on the Word of God? There's a lot of information out there, and you need to go find it. If you're going through. Now, everybody, if you read Andrew's book on healing, that little pamphlet, everybody that got healed in that book were people that went searching the Word. And just follow them. The woman with the issue of blood got healed because she went looking for Jesus. Now, right now, you're going to find Jesus in the Word or you're not going to find him. Is that too strong? Are y'all okay? Norval said this. I didn't blame Norval. God don't bless lazy Christians. He don't. You want, you want some truth? Go find it. Now, now another one that I do in, is... Um, I bought a bunch of my kids Rick Renner's book for Christmas. Around my house for Christmas, you're going to get the word. They all know it. They, not, my, what's, what's devotional am I getting from my dad this year, you know? But I want to make sure my kids all know the word of God. But Rick Renner, if you can't afford the book, it's all free. As a matter of fact, Crystal showed me the other day and, and put his, his devotional in my phone. I get an email every day with him preaching in my phone. Thank y'all for y'all's enthusiasm. That's number, that's number four. Number five, say no to something every day. No. We have to get y'all excited because I know ain't nobody going to like anything I'm about to say. Every one of us have areas we need to go. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that piece of pie that's over there calling me right now. That's not my, that's not my pie. That's Justin's pie. That, somebody needs, and, and that pie's going, come eat me. 
it's Christmas. <laughs> Everybody in this room, all of us have areas that our flesh is fighting and vying. We go, no, we don't need to be doing that. I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm not talking about just bad stuff. Find something every day of your life you look and go, I'm going to cut that out. I'm just going to stop doing that. You don't have to do it. For, just do it for 21 days. We'll see what happens at the end of 21 days. Amen. Number six. Do something nice for someone every day. What a novel idea. We work with people who are going through stuff. What's wrong with walking up and them talking and saying, hey, how are you doing? And they'll tell you. Say, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? All right, I'll tell you something else that works. And many people need to start doing this. When's the last time you sat down and wrote a card and put it in the mail and just sent it to somebody? And no birthday, not Christmas, just decided to send somebody a card. When's the last time you bought someone a gift for no reason? Just a simple, simple thought. I was thinking about you and I just wanted to do something for you. And just buy, and they shows up and they go, I got something in the mail today. I got a card from so-and-so. It's so lovely. Just thinking of you. Love you. Pray for you. You're precious. You've blessed. You've been a blessing to me. You know, you like to receive them, don't you? All right. Now, let me ask you all a question. When you get a card, do you ever look in it for money? Who said yes? Thank you. Amen. Anybody else looking at it for money? You know what that says? When you write the card, put some money in it. Now, y'all like it. You want it, right? So when you send a card to somebody for no apparent reason, drop a $20 bill or a $5 bill in it or a little gift card to their famous coffee or whatever and just tell them you love them and appreciate it. Is, is, that, is that too hard? Now, I'll tell you something that I've done before. I think all of us have done this. I like doing this when I pull in the, I, they used to, I used to go to Dunkin' Donuts until I found out their coffee was syrup and I quit doing it. That's why I bought a coffee machine. But I'd buy, I would buy the coffee for the car behind me. I would say, here's some money. I'm buying their coffee. And when they get up there, just say, someone bought your coffee. I've been in restaurants, and I guess because I'm a pastor, I've got up before them. They, the waiter goes, someone paid your lunch. I go, who? And they go, well, they told me not to tell you. And I'm looking all over the restaurant. I don't see nobody I know. I know somebody walked by. But those are, those, those are things that say, we're thinking about you. When's the last time you did that? Now, now you say, well, that's, forget the card. When's the last time you just texted somebody? I was thinking about you today, praying for you, just to let you know I love you. I appreciate you. Come on, come on, y'all. You just get out of yourself for a minute. Get out of your problems and think about someone else and what it would be like if someone just did something for you. Would you like it? Then start doing little things. You know, people in the country are more hospitable than people in the city. Did y'all know that? They are. When there's a funeral in the country, everybody brings food. In the city, you better buy your own. Because they're not as hospital, just being honest with you. Country churches, when somebody's going through something, everybody gets behind you. In the city, they don't even know you're gone. But we can turn this into a country church if you want to. Country church in the city of Apopka, amen. All right, I got one more. You already say, this is the last one. Don't say, thank God it's the last one. (laughs) This is something that I started doing in May of 2014. I began a journal. This is fun. How many people in here journal right now? Cool. One of the neatest things I found is that whenever the Lord would give me something or I would get a newsletter from someone, and I went, oh, that, oh, I loved what they said. I take it and I cut it out and I glue it in my journal so that I can go, I can read it again. I don't have to go get, find that newsletter. Then the Lord would say things to me in my prayer time, whether it's scripture or whether it's ideas or I even cut up a book or two and posted it in my journal. 
But all the stuff that he's told me over the last couple of years, not all the stuff, but the, but the pertinent stuff that helped me out a lot. Um, I may have been sitting in a church and I've been praying and all of a sudden the Lord would give me a scripture where that is, that's that, that's that, that bread that's coming up from the inside of you and it's feeding you. And you're like, oh my God, yes, thank you, Jesus. That helped me so much. I never thought of that. Write it down. Don't just let that fly by. Write it down. I was going to try to find something in here that I wrote. Um, uh, all kinds of stuff God says to me. And I get my journal out every once in a while and I start reading it. And I go back and go, oh, I remember when he said that. That was so cool. Um, I write my confessions in here. Um, This is something he said to me. It's been over a year ago. I had been going through something in my life where other people were not very happy with me. You know, friends, family, people being opinionated and critical. And it really began to bother me. Now, you know, I would have forgotten what he said. He helped me that day. I wrote it down. When he said it to me, I grabbed my journal and I wrote as he was talking. Now, listen to what he said to me. I wrote it in the first person. I will no longer allow other people's opinion to control me. They didn't make me. They didn't save me. They didn't call me. They didn't anoint me. They are not the authority in my life. I will never defend myself. I don't owe them an explanation. I will not allow them to steal my joy. God, my father, is my one and only judge. If he has a problem... He can talk to me. He sets my value. If I have made a mistake, it is only a mistake. It does not define me. And you know, how many of y'all are like, you're pretty rough on yourself. I'm more, I'm rougher on me than, I beat myself more than anybody else. I mean, when I do it wrong, I'm like, oh, you stupid. You know better than that. Well, I have to write stuff down, the Lord says, because this helps me. Mistakes don't define us. Now, I read that, I wrote that, but I've read that, I've read this 20 or 30 or 40 times since he said it, and it helps me every time I read it. Now, here's another one. Here, um, let me go on. I have his brains. I have his approval. I have his grace. I have his favor. I'm accepted in the beloved. I will never retaliate at criticism, for if I allow, for if I do, I have allowed them to control me. I like approval, but I don't need it. People who do not like me, they're no, they are not my enemy. They're their own. I cannot become my own enemy. Isn't that powerful? Now, I, I was praying one day, and I just got that in prayer, and the Lord started ministering to my heart. I'm so glad I wrote it down. I, I have all kinds of stuff in here. I, I got this out of um, uh, someone's newsletter. It was written by Smith Wigglesworth. God put us in a place where he expects us to have his latest revelation, the revelation of the marvelous fact that Christ is inside of us and what it really means. We can understand Christ only as we are filled to overflowing by the Spirit of God, our only safeguard from dropping back into our natural minds from which we cannot get anything, is to be filled again and again with the Spirit of God. We will be taken to new visions and new revelations, signed Smith Wigglesworth. And I thought, oh, that's powerful. That's good. Well, I thought, no, this was in a book. I cut it out of the book because I may never read that book again. Sometimes I buy two books so I can cut one up. And then I take them and I stick them in my little journal. And is this not a cool idea? I actually have a couple of translations of the Bible that read better than others. And I marked it, uh, certain scriptures in Ephesians, so that when I, I, when I read it in the King James, it doesn't have any impact. But when I read it in the New, when I read it in the Message Bible, or I read it in, it's so impactful to my soul. And so I, I take all this and stick it in this little book. And when I go to a meeting with Mark Hankins or Mary Fran or when she comes, I will actually bring my journal with me. Or if I write something on a note, 
When I get home, I'll put it all that she said in my little journal. And I'm starting another one on my prayer. So I don't know whether this is, you don't, all you have to do is for 21 days. But let me tell you something. Something tells me you're going to go further than that. Are you all right? This is a great idea. Everything I said to you will change your life forever. And all you got to do is 21 days. Anybody game? They got the little cards. I don't know. But we're going to take communion. Are you all ready? We're going to start off this year with communion. Was that good? Did y'all enjoy that? Y'all go, how many of y'all are going to do this with me for 21 days? I'm going to try my best to put, to put it on Facebook, church Facebook. Soon as Lisa and Justin help me because I don't know squat about Facebook. But, but I want to, if you have something the Lord shows you that you're journaling, send it to, to church Facebook. I want to hear it. I want to know what God's doing in your life or what you read or what you're, and let's get this going in for 21 days. We'll get back in here and we'll talk about what God did in your life in 21 days. Amen. Amen. So we're going to take communion. Everybody's going to pass it out and we're going to do something a little different right now. How many of you know that the original communion service that Jesus held was a dinner. It was not crackers and grape juice. They sat down to dinner. Um, they had, I don't know if they had lamb or not, but they had a, it's called a Seder. In the early church, they met on Saturday, which was the Sabbath. But because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, they also started meeting on Sunday. Every Sunday they got together and took communion. But it wasn't like this. They had a dinner together, a communion dinner. Paul's writing to the church in Corinthians was the way they were conducting themselves during the Sunday communion dinner they were holding in each other's homes. And the dinner was around the fact of the blood of Jesus and, and his death, burial, and resurrection. So Jesus made a statement, as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes. All we're really doing when we take communion is very simple. Your salvation is based on the blood and the blood alone. I know y'all are... Looking for your grape juice and crackers. So I'm going to say that again. Your salvation is 100% because of the blood. Yes. That's a powerful statement. So what he said was this. As often as you take communion, you remember that it was what I did, not you. Amen. All we're doing right now is remembering that this had nothing to do with you. Because the day you got saved, you were the worst you've ever been. You knew the least you ever knew. And you were in the biggest mess you were ever in. But yet the blood of Jesus fixed it. Amen. Now think about that for a minute. If God would do that for you when you knew nothing, would he help you now? Okay, we have eight people that would help him. If God did this for you when you were a sinner, would he help you now? All communion is, is a remembrance of how you got here by the blood. Well, in the book of Revelation, it says we overcome the devil by the blood, not your goodness. Your goodness will never match up as much as you are trying your hardest to be the best Christian you can be. The, the, you tried everything in your power to fix the problem. You can't fix it, but he can. So all communion is, is you going, God, you started this. I'm where I am because of the blood. I will make it because of the blood. And I plead the blood of Jesus. I have a right in the throne room. You're still answering prayers. But it's not because I'm good or bad. It's because of the blood. And that's all communion is designed to do. There's no supernatural power in this is Welch's. This has sugar in it. I don't know. This is that 1% of bad food we're eating. Now, the body. You notice in the scripture, Jesus said, 
that he was bruised for your iniquity and by the bruises you're healed. The word by his stripes you're healed is the Hebrew word bruise. Let's read it this way. He was bruised for your sin and because the sin was washed away, you're healed. Once the sin factor is gone, then you're healed. But Jesus didn't just die for you spiritually. He died physically. That's why we celebrate the blood because the life is in the blood. Once there was no more blood in his body, we go, he was dead. And if he was dead, you don't have to die. He became your life. So when he did that, he took all of the sin and all of the sickness, not most of it. All of it. This is back to what I was saying. When you're reading this in Isaiah over and over and over and over, it'll heal your body to look at it and go, he, he bore my iniquities. He bore my iniquities. He, you chew that a while. He bore my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was on him. I have peace with God. That'll, that'll heal your body. That'll heal you. You'll read that and go, oh my God, that's good. That becomes food. Now, this is a time that all we're doing right now is going, God, this is you. Whatever you walked in with this morning that was yesterday, you're going to leave it here. You're going to leave last year here. And we're starting a brand new year washed in the blood of Jesus with God on your side. We're starting over. You can't be saved but once. But by God, you can start over every time you take communion. You can go, I think I need to take communion. Let's just take communion and start this thing all over again. Ain't it good that God would do that for us? So let's pray. Father, as we're about to take communion, we're doing this in remembrance that when you walked into that upper room with your disciples... You had already been, you, you, you had already made up your mind that you were going to do this. And you did it for us. One man sinned, Adam. So one man had to pay it. And you did. And we stand here this morning like the moon. We have no light of our own. We have no righteousness of our own. We have no ability to heal ourselves. We have no ability to answer our own prayers. We have no ability to fix most of the stuff we've gone through. But you do. And our our ability to walk into your throne room with no sin and no condemnation is the greatest gift anybody's ever given to a human. The fact that you cut a blood covenant with us. The Father, you said at supper you took the bread and you broke it. It was literally a loaf of bread. It was unleavened, but it was literally a loaf of bread. And you said, I want you to take this and eat it. And I want you to do it remembering that I bore your sickness in my body and you don't have to bear it and father god you didn't say we had to understand it you didn't say we had to heal ourselves all you ever told us was for us to believe it so we declare before heaven and hell well thank you that your body say it thank you that your body was broken for me You took my punishment, and I don't have to bear it in Jesus' name. Go ahead and take. What you just did is health. It is healing, but it's health. That makes you healthier. I'm going to stop the communion for a second. Caroline Leaf made a statement one time in one of her books. You can start thinking good and your body will get healthy. When you're thinking about what Jesus did, your body is responding to the thoughts. Isn't that amazing? The more you get yourself all, I didn't do it right, that'll make you sick. But when you get back to, he did it. He did it. He did it for me. He did it all. I can't tell you how many times I've had to tell the devil, I just plead the blood. 
I would like to look at you and tell you that I've been a perfect person, but I'd be lying. But there have been days that I have just gone and said, God, I just plead the blood of Jesus. I would take it. You have no idea. Satan works for months to get something done, and five minutes with Jesus in a communion cup fixes it. <laughs> I mean, you can bomb out and get it all fixed in one minute. Isn't that precious? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the blood. Thank you for that precious life-giving blood that Jesus had in him that he would have been still alive today because he wasn't a man as we are. But he shed his blood and he took our place and he died. He gave up his life so we could have life. And now your life flows in our veins. And it is because of your blood, not because of our righteousness. We don't plead guilty. We don't plead innocent. We just plead the blood. And we stand before you today knowing that our prayers get answered because of what Jesus did. Father, in the Old Testament, the, when, when they put the blood over the doorpost, the death angel passed over. Well, at communion today, Satan, we're going to tell you Passover. You have no right to me anymore, and you're not wrecking our life. In Jesus' name, we plead the blood. Now go ahead. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You know, one Sunday morning, I'd like to come here and just preach on blood covenants. It is, it, you, have, you have never seen the power of a blood covenant. There have never been one in the history of the world to have been broken. In Africa, the people in Africa will tell you, nobody in Africa has ever broken a blood covenant. It's sacred. It's sacred. You just don't break them. In India, you know what the divorce rate is in India? It's zero. Do you know why? Because they, t they, they view it as a blood covenant. They won't break it. God won't break a covenant. And you and I are entered into that covenant. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me pray for us before we get out of here. Amen. Father, thank you for the chance I had today of ministering to your church, your body my family. We've got a year ahead of us, and I'm declaring it the best year we have ever had. More healings, more anointing, more blessings from heaven. I pray right now, Father, that this, what I said today, we would be a doer of this, not a hearer only. Go home and open up our Bibles and start spending the time with it and allow the Word to do the work. We'll become more thankful. We'll be more, become more gracious. We'll spend the time we need to praying in the Holy Ghost and journaling and writing down what you have done for us. And we'll say this to you in advance. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.